0: Let us pray, pray together on our knees. Let us pray, pray together on our knees. When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Welcome to the Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that The Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Greetings and welcome back, faithful listeners. If this is your first time of being part of our series entitled Strange Justice, I extend to you a very special welcome. Last week, we concluded our look at chapter 15 of Paul's epistle to the Romans, and I promised that before we look at Paul's special personal section of greetings and salutations to the people in Rome, which occupies chapter 16, we would do a recap of some of the more pertinent points of the book in chapters 1 through 15. Before we get into it, however, I'm going to invite your prayers for Our director, Danny Thomas, director of Harvest International, has been through a bout of sickness, and I believe that God answers prayer. Will you join us in prayer for Danny right now, wherever you are around the world? God is listening. Father, we thank you for this man who for 25 years has held the helm of this missionary organization, that has touched the lives of millions. Lord, touch him today, and we will give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, my friend, it blesses my own soul to chew upon the sweet spiritual morsels that I distributed throughout this masterpiece of sacred writing known as the Epistle to the Romans. Its legal framework will thrill any lawyer who reads Paul's reasoned presentation of the case against humanity and of the divine intervention that provides not a defense, but an amazing substitutionary provision that sets each believing human being free from sin's penalty. And yes, more than that, God declares each believing person to be justified, just as if He or she had never sinned. Strange Justice Indeed. That's the title of our series, Strange Justice, for God Remains Just and Justifies Ungodly People. May God grant you a wonderful experience as we go through today's discussion. As we go to this quick journey back through the book of Romans and search for words or passages that made a deep impression on you it's probable that we will have many of the same passages that i have in mind and also that some will strike you that didn't strike me quite so forcefully i would love to hear from you about those passages in roman that spoke romans rather that spoke directly to your heart today's discussion will be the most exhaustive of the ones we will encounter as we go back through the book. Each of the following passages will be more concise. We'll approach this look back by starting at chapter 1, and if you're able to follow me with your Bible, you may want to mark other verses that leap out at you, and then share them with us by mail, email, snail mail, go to our website, but share them with us, do. In verse 1, Paul identifies himself as a servant and an apostle. These are no insignificant terms that the apostle is using here. His life authenticates his claim to be a servant. That is a claim that each follower of Jesus Christ ought to live. Notice I say live, not just proclaim or announce. God is looking for true apostles apprentices to Jesus Christ. He would remind us of the basis on which we came to Christ. If we came to the cross by faith and accepted God's gracious offer of salvation in Jesus Christ, it was on the basis that Jesus himself laid out. May I remind you, may I remind you what Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The second title is not so universal. These were disciples chosen by the Lord himself from among those who accompanied him on his earthly journey. Today, there are all sorts of professing apostles chosen by all sorts of methods. Here is where Paul's apostleship came from. It was a divine encounter with Christ, the Son of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, after that he was seen of James, then of the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me, as one born out of due time, almost uh, an 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 aborted but saved baby. One of the differences between these early apostles and the several apostleships that we have today, proclaimed apostleship, it see, the apostles in the first century didn't just wear this as a mark or title of privilege and prestige. It was a responsibility that came with a threat of persecution and even a threat of death. Many today come with pageantry and pomp and circumstance. The servanthood component is left to disciples of lesser rank. May I ask you, Ask yourself, how do you stack up against the experiences of the great apostle Paul? As an apostle of Jesus Christ, he traveled by coach. He didn't go first class. In fact, he went by foot and sometimes in shipwrecked situations. Paul was imprisoned, beaten, shipwrecked, and eventually murdered for the job he performed for the glory of God. Oh, God, make us Servants of the King of Glory, indeed. Well, let's move on. We have many more special stops along the way. Our next special stop takes us to verses 14 through 16. They record Paul's job description. In one job I had as a human resources manager, I developed the job description. Generally speaking, the more complex the task and the more sensitive the responsibility, the higher the job grade. Let's listen in again as Paul describes his job and his credentials. We've already seen that he was hired by the Lord in verse 1 as a servant and as an apostle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, he explains his claim to the title, which we've just read. Paul says, I have a great sense of obligation to people both in the civilized world and in the rest of the world. In verses 14 and 14 through 17, Paul's account. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith, he says. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's a God exercise, my friend. Listen to Paul. I call these statements the three I am's of Paul. In verse 14, he says, I am obligated, a divine obligation is upon me to proclaim the gospel, the good news. And then in verse 15, he says, I am eager. I'm not only bearing the responsibility. I don't only feel that I must do it. He says, I'm eager to do it, eager to get involved at any price, at any cost. And then he says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed. So the three I am's, I'm obliged. I have an obligation, he says. I'm eager. I want to get involved in the business of God. And I'm not ashamed. And then he describes for us the reason. He explains to us the reason why, he wasn't ashamed. He says, because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. It works. It worked for me, he said. And I humbly offer you my testimony today, friend. It worked for me, a rebel sinner saved by grace. Suppose, just suppose you and I would take that approach to our Christian living and our service. Do you consider living and witnessing for Christ a divinely given obligation? And are you eager to carry out your responsibility for God? Oh, God, give us men and women who are willing to fear nothing but sin, and hate nothing but sin, and fear no one but God. Are you unashamed of this glorious good news that saves men and women? Paul wasn't ashamed. I, by the grace of God, am not ashamed of Jesus, are you? Jesus said that if we are ashamed of him before men, he will be ashamed of us before his Father who is in heaven. This gospel or this good news of which Paul was clearly unashamed is a story of the rest of the book of Romans. We will have time for two more highlights in this chapter 1, I believe. They are scattered throughout the remainder of the chapter. Beginning in verse 18, I must warn you, these are not two points that are sweet morsels. They are bitter pills, but they are divine declarations. Beginning at verse 18, the apostle introduces the truth of God's anger, God's anger against sin. Yes, sin. It's an old-fashioned word for many people. Even more, some religious people Yes, I agree, it is an old fashioned word. It is an old fashioned concept, but so is Almighty God. Verse 18 begins like this But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people. So let's settle it forever then. God is angry against sin. This is bitter pill, number one, and sin carries consequences. In the remainder of chapters, and throughout chapters 2 and 3, by divine inspiration, Paul gives us examples of the behaviors that describe our sinful nature. Please read the list in chapter 1, and chapter 2, and chapter 3. And as a result of our sin, three times over in this passage, we read that God abandoned sinners. God gave them over. This is point number two. Man is sinful, God hates sin, and so he has given up on man except that he made a way for man to be reconciled unto him. The indictment of humanity continues through the end of chapter 3. But I must point out that in between these declarations of humanity's sin are the expressions of blessed hope in Christ. Verses 23 and 24 have this to say, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So you see, my friend, it has nothing to do with your being a church member or your doing good deeds. It's casting yourself upon the mercy of God and asking Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior. May this be your happy experience today. Till next week, God keep you in the center of His will. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. It yeah. yeah. yeah.